0: What is the answer to 99 out of 100 questions?
1: Money.
2: Look, man, all these jokers have got a lot of money, and it belongs to me. I want to know who they are and what they're doing with it. I'm
0: sorry about that, man. I really am. Money does bad things to people. There ain't no excuse for it.
2: Money. 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 I'm going to say money.
0: And I'm going to say welcome to the We Are Money podcast, episode eight, or as David has titled it, The Ocho. The Ocho, yes. (laughs) I am Brad Beasley, your lovely host, and with me as always is David. Hello, everybody. And we have the lovely Rebecca Deeser.
3: Hello, everyone.
0: Hope everyone had a fantastic Valentine's Day. Deeser, did you get flowers?
3: I gave flowers.
0: To yourself? Or... Yes. Well, congratulations. Awesome. <laughs> congratulations. You yeah. can't be disappointed then. <laughs> That's good. That's the, the good part about being single, right? You can just aren't going to be disappointed. Exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, we have a special guest uh, in, our, uh, in our studio today, a, uh, uh, one of our good friends and, and, and colleagues here in the business industry. And uh, David, you can go and ask him the question that we normally ask.
2: What, what would you say... You do here
1: now. We have Van Bullock here as our guest, and Van is an esteemed member of the Las Cruces community and New Mexico State University. He is our expert in a lot of valuations, and and that. So tell us a little bit about what you do, Van.
2: Well, I still teach out in Mexico State University during the fall, and I do teach an appraisal class, and a basic agricultural economics class. Woo-hoo. It's Well, it's listed as AGECOM 100, but in AGCOM, uh, we call it AGECOM 100. 100. 100. 100. <laughs> you guys have a speech patterns. but we don't. Proper pronunciation. <laughs> and, and I'm a partner in Mather's Realty uh, with Laura Conniff, and we uh, have a full-service real estate office. We do the uh, property management and sales,
0: mm-hmm. and then I have special specialty in doing appraisals. So, what have you been seeing in the appraisal market in terms of like the real the real estate market in general around Las Cruces? Okay, I mean it's flat. What are you seeing? Eh, okay is probably a good word. There's not a one size fit all fits all answer to
2: that. There's some some sectors do better than others, but uh, I think most people are probably interested in single family residential properties because that's right. what most people invest in, and that's been pretty flat. We've had
0: quite a few sales, but the prices have been pretty flat, mm-hmm. right? Well, like I so said, we always like to see sales, but obviously, hopefully, at some point, we we'll like to see that. Medium price increases. Yeah, point.
2: well, and I think there, and again, it depends on what sector of the market you're looking at, what price level of homes, but uh, mm-hmm. there's not been a whole lot of appreciation over the last couple of years.
1: Are there what, a lot of certain size of homes that you're seeing moving in this area?
2: Oh, once again, that's probably more locational. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we, we've had some
0: pretty good uh, sales lately in terms of numbers of some of the larger homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Switching gears on you, when you're talking about ag econ, you know, one of our, our second episode was one that featured uh, the cow industry and ah. featured a few other things. So it was are, very moving. It was hmm. a, moving. Well, I'm glad to see you guys get a little EIEIO in you. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> what, uh, what are some of the things that you are going over in that ag econ, econ class that maybe some people would like to know about? Well, you know, Rebecca was one of my students. I was, right? yeah. yes. And I was just kind of curious,
2: Rebecca, do you remember
0: the things I tried to teach you?
3: Supply and demand. Well, more
0: specific you know? <laughs> That's a basic economic theory, Let's so I would hope ag econ would cover that. I know okay. we
3: did discuss artesia quite a bit.
0: Well, yes, yes, and, and why uh, wouldn't you?
1: Right, yes. exactly. I mean, I mean, don't don't all,
2: <laughs> don't all econ classes? I think most econ yes.
3: classes discuss artesia at some point.
2: <laughs> well, let, let me give you the quiz, if you mm-hmm. could complete a couple of sentences. I would hope you could after you took my class. <laughs> what is it? There is no such thing as?
3: There is no such thing as...
1: Fair market value? No, an Uh, ugly rich boy. Ugly rich boy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna
3: check my notes for that one. Okay, (laughs) Okay.
2: and two people, two people can live just as long as one for half the time. Half as long. (laughs) You passed that. Very good. Fifty percent. Okay, I feel like a success as a teacher. So you got a 50% fantastic yeah, That's
0: about what she averaged in in class, as I recall. <laughs> <So> <laughs> no, you get, Rebecca was a shining star in my class. <laughs> so then you guys get into whole, the whole, uh, you know, beef prices, those kind of discussions and, and effect on planting and rotations and stuff? Or what do you guys, guys that's get That's a into? little later on
2: in Ag Econ. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: We start with certain the basic
2: economic principles Khan Ag Econ when her. As Rebecca wisely said, supply and demand <laughs> and some of the basic economic principles.
0: hmm I mean, how much, nice
2: if we could teach the members of Congress some of these principles. Well, and, the, and, they those, won't show up.
0: and that was actually my follow up question. How much when you're talking about ag econ is is true supply and demand versus some of the market driven incentives with corn and different things that are kind of messing with the supply? And oh, demand? yeah,
2: that's exactly right. You know, we've been uh, engaged in these ag programs since the 1930s, and it's a lot so, like sometimes like uh, trying to level a, a table by sawing off one leg at a time. And. And mm-hmm. uh, there's been that, a lot of that going on for a long, long time. And so you, we do talk about some of the principles and uh, how it's kind of—anytime you mess with the market system, you're going to have probably some impacts and effects of that that uh, some people are going to like and some people are not going to like. Do you guys get into it all the uh,
0: tax incentives and different things that might cause some of those issues? Not not in Aggie Con,
2: uh, Con 100. But mm-hmm. like, you know, later down the road, we start looking at— more advanced classes in right. ag policy, you address that more often.
0: We talk a little bit about taxation. So, but because Dister, you know, because Dister was in your class, you know, mm-hmm. obviously the level of people in ag econ 100 is 100. Probably 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, <laughs> 100, Probably not super. You guys from Clovis backgrounds ought to have that. <clears throat> should I have that? Yeah, you should. Well, I think it was a lot more educated, educated, mm-hmm. educated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been back to Clovis? Uh, I have not. It's been a long time since I've been back to Clovis, and that would be why uh, my dad doesn't want to go back there. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I had a friend it. of mine that lived in Clovis. His dog ran away one day.
2: Mm-hmm. He watched it leave for two days. You're going the wrong way. Wrong. Go. Go. Well, and then you know, in, in
0: your background too, you're also from Artesia, which is the kind of oil mm-hmm. hotbed of, of yeah, New Mexico. My well. family was smart enough to be in the agricultural side of that economy. <laughs> you know I mean? Well, right now it wouldn't be too bad because right now you got this this oil. What are you kind of seeing from the oil? issues of your people you know back there. Yeah, I
2: haven't been back to RTG since this uh, price decline occurred, but certainly it's going to hurt a lot of the little people Mm -hmm. uh, back there. By little people, I mean the smaller business type people, not the the real top of the chain guys, cause or, the, the, or these short and stature
1: people, short and stature, <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah, well, they get hurt in every market.
2: <laughs> every market <laughs> they <get noticed> that. <laughs> but what you see there, a lot of a lot of the larger firms over there uh, sub out a lot of their stuff, mm-hmm. and, and so these guys—it's not their first rodeo. You know, the oil business has a history of boom and bust, and mm-hmm. so these guys learned a long time ago to sub out a lot of their operations. And so when the price goes down, they don't have a lot of employees to, to take care of, and they just can kind of write it out. But the Guys that are the subs
0: right are the ones that are out of work Getting in yeah. trouble, yeah, and so, wow. so one of the things that I always wonder, and I kind of quiz all of our uh, college professors whenever we have any and stuff is you know the is is there really a difference in this you know, millennial current generation, or are they just always as dumb as they always have been
2: for <laughs> that <laughs> I mean um. You, we say we're in this battle against ignorance out there, and, and I keep mm-hmm. reminding the professors, at least it's a home game. They have to come to <laughs> us. <laughs> uh, and you just get such a mix of kids. And One of the really uh, interesting things about teaching an introductory class like Ag Econ 100 is you get kids from all kinds of backgrounds. You get the shining stars like Rebecca that can, you know, are going to do well in any classroom situation. and you get right. some kids that you wonder how they found New Mexico State, much less got enrolled. And, and so it's a challenge to sort of, um, you know, teach at a level that you don't bore the Rebecca's mm. of the world, but you don't over challenge some of the people who aren't quite ready for that college experience. But, uh, uh, there's some, this generation that we're teaching now, um, there's positives and negatives in it. Mm-hmm. Now, they're, Most of them are very computer literate. Mm -hmm. You know, they can uh, pick up things that that I can't do. Mm -hmm. Uh, There seems to be a short attention span thing going on. Sorry, what? Short attention (laughs) span. Oh, I feel right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, And and, uh, maybe, you know, I sound like every other old person that ever talks about the younger generation. They say, well, they're not as motivated. But uh, there's a quote that uh, I'll, I'll, I'll probably miss this just a little bit, but saying today's kids... Are the indolent kids the most indolent generation of human beings ever been born? You know who said that? Mm. Plato. Wow. So older people have been
0: dissing (laughs) the young people for a long, long time. Do you have any concern with when you're talking about ag econ, the fact that we've started to urbanize a lot, obviously as a society, and 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 the old traditional farmers and that kind of stuff is is going away, or do you think that's still strong? Well, you know, we're down now from a, a nation which
2: was practically almost all farmers mm-hmm. uh, back in the, the beginning of the nation to a nation now where you know something like a little less than two percent of the people are actually involved in production agriculture as their mm-hmm. primary uh, uh, means of income. So, uh, and, and you know, that's just the way it is. We're becoming a more urban society. Thomas Jefferson worried about that. He right. thought that. Uh, uh, he feared for the future of the United States as we became less an agrarian society and became, I think, he used the term "piled up in cities" like the people in Europe. And he thought that that would lead to a less neighborly nation and mm-hmm. uh, a more kind of uh, uh, selfish type nation.
0: He he might be right. Yeah. He
1: could be. Could be.
0: He's a pretty smart man. Very smart man. Very smart man.
1: I, I do have a question on the appraisal side. Okay. I was wondering if you could tell us what is the most interesting property. You have ever appraised? Oh,
2: golly, oh, golly, 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 golly. I did a defunct brothel one time. Oh, uh, oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. Um,
1: <laughs> oh. I guess it would have been even more inter- interesting if it wasn't doing no, <laughs> at my age, it just doesn't <laughs> add to it. it, just doesn't <laughs> add
2: to it. Oh, gosh. Uh. But you know, you, you get to do all sorts of things. I've done uh, cockfighting operations right. and things like that. And <laughs> trying to think the most bizarre, you know. Uh, I've did a marijuana uh, operation one time. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, defunct marijuana mm-hmm. operation. This uh, gentleman had uh, rented a pecan orchard here in the valley, uh, and uh, from a, an owner of this absentee, you knew out in the middle of this big pecan orchard with tall trees, and he cut down two or three acres of the trees because it was a perfect. Cover oh. And, and, and uh, planted marijuana there. He was a college professor, by the way. So oh. say he's entrepreneurial. Uh, and he had a, a little marijuana operation going on. <laughs> and when it was discovered, um, they um, had me go in and, and uh, do an appraisal to get the damage done to the orchard. And that sort of thing for litigation purposes. Mm-hmm. And during the middle of the trial, the guy just scooted. Like the second or third day of the trial, he didn't show up. <laughs> and, and I ran into him in Dallas about...
0: Four years later and he was caddying for a professional golfer oh wow (laughs) like all i can all i can picture is like the dude in like cheech and chong like trying to cover it up and pretend like he's swimming and stuff like that like that's all i can well this guy he really picked a good place for it because it it was a
2: pecan orchard with very limited access you had to go Mm -hmm. dirt road through another farm and I don't even know if it was actually legal access. Right. And then I think they finally spotted him when the USDA does their aerial flyovers to to Mm -hmm. look at cropland, see if people are planning what they're supposed to be planning according to their allotments. Mm -hmm. And they noticed that that didn't look like pecan trees down there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But he did. He got away for at least two years, maybe a third year.
1: Wow. So you had to be very blunt in your your appraisal, right? Blunt. (laughs) Yes,
2: Blunt. Mm-hmm. Well, it was actually a fun trial because he was representing himself, <laughs> as usual, which always ends inclined. well. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's times,
0: you know. Yeah.
2: Well, and, hire a professional, folks. That's my advice.
0: <laughs> well, Van, thank you very much for joining us. It's always it's always fun. You always make us laugh. And I don't know if you noticed this, but a, a few uh, episodes back, we actually discussed your uh, your religious uh, affiliation, the Presbyterian. Presbyterian. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I've been told that.
2: Talking about employment, my, my main job is I'm a spousal intern. I've he- held that job for <laughs> 27 years. Just try to kind of clean my act up a little bit. But I have great respect for you CPAs, and mm-hmm. I don't think you guys get enough credit. And, you know, if you look at the television shows out there, mm-hmm. I mean, they make heroes out of doctors mm-hmm. and heroes out of, of, for God's sake, lawyers. Yeah, right. Where are the accountant heroes on television? Where are the Beasley brothers debiting and crediting to the bottom line, taking it places never known before? You know. guys just even MacGyver's kinda of like an engineer. Right. Well and that's what we're doing. But there's, there's just no accountants out there.
3: We're very modest.
1: We're, we're working on that. And maybe we're some a, of the
3: most modest.
2: Yeah, we're
1: the most <laughs> modest
2: down here. I mean, you could have the auditors out there like bayoneting the wounded and doing things like that. Yeah. But, but there you, you go. It makes complete sense. Let okay. me tell you how.
0: Let me confirm for you that you had a terrible year last year. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: okay. Well, thanks for having me. I know <laughs> I was whoever's listening to this, the dozens of people that might be listening to this.
0: I was not their first choice. I was the desperation substitute <laughs> the last minute. So. But you know what? It's always. It's sometimes those are the best ones. In okay, what well, you get, so what you pay good. for. Well, we'd oh, love yeah. for you to stay around for a couple of our other pieces, and I move on to our uh, my favorite clip, which is uh, if I ruled the world. Yeah.
1: All right, so we are to, if Brad ruled the world, and so I have 10 questions for Brad for him to answer and verify again to me that you have not heard these questions before.
0: I have not heard these questions before.
1: All right, so question number one. How should juries be chosen?
0: Hmm, definitely not uh, by their peers, because I've seen some of those, and it's not a good deal. I think completely random. We should all be assigned random numbers, and you just get randomly picked, and that's just who you get.
1: Okay, okay. Question number two. If you could find one treasure or item of the ancient world, what would it be and why? Wow.
0: Ancients anything before
1: 1978. 1978.
0: That would be ancient. Yeah. Yes. Um, Gosh, that's a good one, Dave. I think I would go with... um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I think the uh, Lost City of Atlantis would be fun. Nice water park. Nice (laughs) water park. Mm -hmm. go with
1: that. (laughs) Nice. All right. So question number three, what is one um, discipline, like a trade or skill that should be required learning in high school?
0: Required learning in high school. I think English speaking should be like part of it. And like, when I say that is because we had a client, I had a, uh, when I was in the Rotary Club, it was kind of interesting. We had a a person who was from France as an exchange student, and they said, it says, what are you most surprised about about the uh, U.S. education system? He goes, well, we have English classes, but they don't actually teach us how to speak English in the English classes because they tell us how to read. Because in mm-hmm. France, we have French classes that teach us how to speak French all the way up till, you know, age whatever. So whatever language we feel like speaking, right. even if it's Spanish or whatever, I don't, I'm not saying that we should all just speak English, but maybe we should all continue to be educated in how to speak properly.
1: So some people ain't talking no good. Shoot. <laughs> Got it. All right. Question number four. What sequel of a movie would you require to be made?
0: Oh, sequel of a movie required to be made? Um, well, there's that old one, Condor Man, that you and I used to like. It was an yes. old Disney movie that was also fantastic, but it's probably so obscure nobody's uh, ever uh, ever heard of it. If mm. you
1: know that and you want to send a, something about it on on Twitter, go on ahead, Twitter. and we'll, we'll send you a Beasley Mitchell Company pen.
0: Yes, let us know which ones you want on Twitter, and we'll follow you.
1: So, okay. Condor man then. Okay. Um, question number five, how would you solve the concussion problem in the NFL?
0: I don't know because anything that you do, I, I think there's a couple of things. One is I've also heard that if you make the helmets less padded where it actually hurts more to do it, mm-hmm. then maybe you have less concussions because back when you had leather helmets, you didn't like just go sticking your head in there, wherever right. you were mm-hmm. going. I mean, if you had maybe less protection, there's not a huge rugby huge problem with concussions in rugby mm-hmm. and they don't have anything so
1: what about like a helmet like dark helmet from space balls you know huge the huge helmet, helmet. <laughs> you can't like that all right and this one's very important and i'd ask uh, uh, mr bullock to uh, join in on this one if he would like to <laughs> if you could change the sound of flatulence or require that we cover it up in some manner to what sound would you change it
0: i would go with laughter so if it could just be like ha. <laughs> That'd be really uh, funny. Maybe a wolf whistle. A wolf whistle? <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> That's good. That's good. Nice, nice.
1: All right. Question number seven. Should state borders be redrawn to coincide with equal population or with the general ideologies?
0: I think it'd be interesting to redraw them with equal ideologies. I mean, you even take like the state of New Mexico. The east side of the state of New Mexico is ideologically more like west texas than it is the rest of new mexico that's right santa fe should be its own wacky area its own there. state you know we're a lot more like el paso and el Paso's not like the rest of texas mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so you start kind of doing that and i think a lot of those things would make a lot more sense and probably provide economically a little bit different for everybody
1: Interesting. interesting all right question number eight you can choose one food franchise to feed the world's population which one
0: Well, before they had salmonella, I would have said Chipotle, but uh, we'll pass on that. Um, Most people had to. (laughs) And uh, I have client operations in a couple of different fast foods, so I think I'm going to punt on this question, because I think they're all fantastic, and which is, if we could just solve world hunger, that'd be great. Why can't
3: we just work together?
0: Work together in in (laughs) All of them in a big (laughs) conglomerate.
1: Okay, I'll I'll let you pass on that for professional reasons, (laughs) Um, but that's it. Uh, Question number nine, how do you live each day with the knowledge that you aren't me?
3: Oh,
0: you know, it's easy. I wake up every evening with a big smile on my face, joyfully. So. You wake up every evening? Yes, <laughs> wake up every evening. Are you a vampire? I am. I am. I am. It's, it's actually, it's actually quite, uh, quite nice to know that I'm not you. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> In question number 10, and this is, as people may know, um, the His Holiness is visiting this area.
0: Papa Francisco.
1: Yes, is visiting um, Juarez, Mexico, which is just down the road from us. So, Brad, if you were Pope, what would be your Pope name?
0: Oh, I think I would go with um pope. Buf- gotta be Buford. Pope Buford. Yeah. Pope Buford. Is that the first or well it definitely would be the first? It'd be the first. probably the first and only. I probably wouldn't even have to say the first. I'd probably just say Pope Buford. Pope <laughs> very, Buford. Very good. Very that's good. It. Sounds good. Well, that, that's always my fun one. Now, David, uh, move on to your favorite section, which is David's Legal Corner.
3: The information contained on David's Legal Corner is provided as a general public service. The listeners, if any, are advised to check for changes in current law and to consult with an attorney. David's Legal Corner occasionally contains strong language, which may be unsuitable for children, unusual humor, which may be unsuitable for adults, advanced mathematics, which may be unsuitable for liberal arts majors, and potential pickup lines, which may be unsuitable for accountants. Use of such material may cause rolled eyes, belly laughs, 40-hour-per-week employment, or a chance encounter with the opposite sex, respectively. Proceed at your own risk.
1: Thank you very much, Rebecca. I appreciate that.
0: Now, David, what's what's interesting is that you know we're going to try to stay current with the news. You know, with the death of Justice Scalia, um, what is that process to replace him, and and why is this causing such a stir?
1: Well, right now, um, the the general process to uh, replace Justice Scalia is um, he has to be appointed by the president and then confirmed by the Senate. And just the confirmation is just a, a simple majority vote by the Senate. However, They've added a whole lot of procedures in that that kind of complicate this a lot. One being that once a potential candidate is is appointed, they don't technically go straight to the Senate for a vote. They actually go to the Senate Judiciary Committee, where lately appointments have been able to be held up by, by people in there. I was looking at something showing how much The um, justices have been questioned before. I mean, for the longest time, they would go into this and be questioned for maybe three to five hours about their past. They were showing John Roberts, I guess, got questioned for almost 26 hours before getting confirmed. And um, I believe that um, um, Justice Thomas, Clarence Thomas, um, had about that same amount, too. I know if you remember the whole Anita Hill portion of that Mm -hmm. and everything. Mm
0: -hmm. That was was actually probably the most interesting judiciary Mm -hmm. appointment.
1: What what makes these this this case very interesting is that before Justice Scalia's passing, we kind of had a very balanced court. You know, we have the nine just nine justices. We had four that were considered conservative and four that were were considered liberal. And then you had um, Justice Kennedy, that was always considered to be the swing vote, um, and he kind of went back and forth um, on different things. And so usually, what had happened is we had just replaced a liberal justice with another get another liberal justice appointed, a conservative appointed conservative. So we kind of kept this going. With this death and now having um, President Obama in place, where we have him you know, on on the liberal side, is that the likelihood is that we're going to have a liberal justice appointed, which now could swing the court, uh, you know, one way, which.
0: And so that's what also makes it difficult because they're the ones interpreting the, the application of the laws of the land. And, and, um, quite honestly, they may have, you know, I know it's supposed to be, there's, there's the three central powers, obviously in the United States. And, and with the, the justice department being, being one of those, I mean, they, they do have a lot of power. I mean, there's a lot of things that can come up that they can just strike down. And so even with a Republican controlled Congress, they could pass a law and the liberal, uh, court could rule it unconstitutional.
1: What's really interesting on this is if um, the way that, I mean, they are supposed to be looking at at the law and saying, is it constitutional, is it not? But one thing they also do is they interpret the laws that have been passed. So it's, it's like thinking, okay, so you create the laws, I let you, Congress, create the laws, but I get to interpret how they mm. mean. So for just kind of in a broad brush, they get to decide the definition section of these laws. Mm-hmm. So just think of what you can what you can do. For example, you know the Affordable Care Act. They determined that this was a tax, right. which allowed it to to proceed where it, it, it couldn't before if it wasn't declared that. So it's it's um, a lot of power, and and of course this is going to play into the um the political landscape with it being you know now if President Obama cannot get somebody appointed and confirmed, then he, then that'll be up to the newly appointed to the newly elected president, um, coming next spring. And, um, right. and so another thing that is kind of interesting, too, is that um, President Obama does actually have the ability to make um, an appointment when the um, when the Senate is not in, in session on this. Now, that appointment can only last so long as until the Senate um, confirms somebody, but if there's a recess appointment, technically he can appoint somebody without confirmation and put it in there. So hmm. so it's uh, kind of an interesting thing coming on here.
0: So now what happens now if we go from 9 to 5 to eight here for a little while. And so now we're at four and four. What happens with a tie?
1: With the tie, that's that's a good question. Um, so in, a, in the case of the Does it tie, go to
0: the runner? Because that's what happens in baseball. Right actually, hmm.
1: honestly, it, it's very close to that. So what happens okay. is to get to the Supreme Court, you have to follow certain appeals procedures. And if there's a tie at the Supreme Court, then what happens is there is technically no ruling, no precedent is set, and whatever was decided in the lower court holds. Mm. Right. So from wherever it comes now, so that decision under that circuit is still, is still law, but it does not affect any of the other circuits because it hasn't gone up to the Supreme Court. So we could have a lot of four to four, especially with some of these um, new challenges that are coming so up.
0: So does that, that create a case where, let's say, if, if, if the California district, if they ruled on something that was against Obamacare or, uh, you know, let's say something that, that ruled it was one way and the Supreme Court, it's a tie. That means in that district it it is handled in one certain way, and all the other districts it is not handled that way.
1: Correctly, and that's actually where most Supreme Court cases come from. Is you have a split treatment in different in different circuits, and so that that you actually have to have that controversy if it becomes a federal issue and gets reached up reached up to the Supreme Court, and then it has to be decided. But you're exactly right. A lot of times you have the Fifth Circuit, which is you know Texas, in that area is completely at odds with the Ninth Circuit, which is California. You just have a complete difference. So a lot of times you have these conflicting conflicting laws here.
0: Well, that sounds good, David. And, you know, it's always interesting to try to stay up with current events and all that, and we always appreciate David's legal corner. And um, there's always great stuff. And once again, as always, good disclaimer reading, Deezer. <laughs> now we're going to move on to the movie hero tax question. We're changing from the superhero tax question to a movie hero tax question. And, Dave, I think you have our intro music from where this movie's from.
1: So if you didn't know that already, that is the theme from the Bourne movies, the Jason Bourne movies.
0: Yes, Bourne Identity, Bourne Supremacy, Bourne Ultimatum.
1: And the upcoming Jason Bourne.
0: Jason Bourne. So now, for those of you who don't know, Jason Bourne is a uh, somewhat of a spy. Uh, he is part of uh, the the group that uh, Treadstone, Treadstone, that was uh, yeah, responsible for either throwing over political governments yeah, or
1: undercover CIA operation,
0: different operations. And so some of the questions that we're talking about is what is the tax status of Jason Bourne? Now understand that Jason Bourne is his code name, mm-hmm. but
1: he has IDs in various countries and, mm-hmm. and that passports short passports in different,
0: in different countries. Yeah. Um, and he's also, if we found out later that his real name is David Webb. David
1: Webb—that's what he went into the military right. as.
0: So, what do we mm-hmm. think, Dee? Sir, how do we think Jason Bourne prepares his tax returns? Because he's—he is a U.S. Right. citizen, Correct. So he's got a tax return.
3: I mm-hmm. think Jason Bourne is probably going to report uh, 1099 on his tax return or whatever his respective alias is for the cloak company that he was working for. Okay. And uh, I think that David Webb would be considered deceased in the in the movie series that that uh, his true identity was considered to be deceased. And so he would no longer have a filing requirement. And I believe there may be some um, foreign income, foreign earned income exclusion, depending on uh, what country Jason Bourne or whichever alias, uh, what country he was working in and for how many days. Okay.
0: So I think that's a fantastic piece. Now I'm going to play IRS auditor Mm -hmm. and you play, I'm defending Jason Bourne for the foreign income exclusion. Right. Uh, Miss Deeser, will you please provide me the passport to show that he is out of this country for 330 days?
3: I believe he does have... Uh,
0: which, which color would you like?
3: Passport, yes. Which, which one? <laughs> which, which country?
0: One. We I'm going to need you countries. to be more specific. <laughs> well, then how do we know sometimes he comes back into the country without a passport sometimes? I mean, in the U.S., he just shows up. I doubt he just strolled through.
3: I think he's yeah. he's got several... Yeah, I mean,
1: you know, I'm trying to think of the one that he came in to New York again, so we would right. show the various different ones of, of what he would... Uh, right, we've probably
3: got, you know, uh, records showing Jason Bourne leaving the country, and mm-hmm. even though uh, David Webb comes back, there probably isn't any record of Jason Bourne's passport being used for re-entry.
0: So now does it, uh you know, do you think he's... I'd like to know where you guys think he's paid out of, because I know where he's actually paid out of.
1: You know where... Hmm. I, I do. I think he's paid by. I I don't know.
0: Deezer. Mm. So I mean, it could be CIA. Some, it could be. I PFAS. think it's just
3: some federal like.
1: M- maybe the Washington D.C. sanitation sounding.
3: department. <laughs> yeah.
0: Van, where where do all of the United States secret <clears throat> people like see all these secret people? Where do they get paid out of? Do you happen to know? All the secret people, like the people that work in like CIA, State Department kind of stuff. You happen to know? I would it's bet it's just some miscellaneous fund somewhere that no one ever looks at. It kind of is. It's called the Department of Energy. Oh.
3: <laughs> is our is it our Social Security? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, su- surprisingly,
0: not a lot of a lot of a lot of that stuff is actually technically paid through Department of Energy. I have a uh, few people that I remain nameless that I do know that work for some of these agencies that they hmm. they technically receive a W two from the Department of Energy. Nice. So yes. they do Department have a Department of Waste Management. Uh, yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, David. Right there. Way to Get go. Get out of here. Way, <laughs> to Way to go. Way to go. <laughs> yeah. See, so that's always interesting. We always love love that. Do uh, we
3: have a sub question for that? Sure. I
1: also have a question of whether, if, if David Webb is deceased, right? Mm-hmm. So I know this being a, a, a veteran, you go in and everybody that's a veteran has service group life insurance. And in that, I mean, before I think it was 400000 when I was in, I think it may have gone up a little bit. You can name whomever you want in there. Right. So if David Webb named Jason Bourne as his beneficiary on that life insurance, could he collect? Ooh. And then it's tax-free because it's income paid on somebody's death.
0: It's a great deal. It's a great deal.
1: So all you CIA agents out there, you might be missing a perfectly good opportunity. So <laughs> contact us here at Beasley Mission <laughs> Company if you'd like any assistance.
0: Well, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. <laughs> hmm. Well, thank you, David. That's uh, always good with the movie hero task questions. And now let's go to Deecer's favorite topic, which is random weather. do not you listen to the weather? We got a major storm here.
2: I make the weather. All <clears throat> oh, this moisture coming up out in the golf is going to push us to the east, and it'll do it.
3: Thanks, Bill. Okay, I've got some. I've got some weather that I'm going to describe. Could be anywhere in the world, right. and the three of you will get to guess the location that I'm describing. Okay, so. Your first clues are it is partly cloudy. This is a huge clue.
1: let it got in.
3: <laughs> it's uh, 44 degrees Fahrenheit. Humidity is about 72% and wind is about 8 miles an hour. Partly cloudy. Out of which direction? Mm. Let me see if I Forty. can pull that up.
1: It's 44.
0: 44 in yeah. humid. So it's 44 in and humid. 44 and humid. And partly cloudy.
1: Cloudy.
3: From the north.
0: From the north, okay. The wind's coming from the north. Okay. I'm going to vote Minneapolis, Minnesota.
1: I'm going to say St. Paul, Minnesota.
0: What about mm-hmm. you, Van? Anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. Yes. Yeah.
2: This world. <laughs>
3: Tokyo. Okay, well, you're all wrong.
0: <laughs> it is
3: uh, it is London, England. I'm not sure um, where you guys got on the Minnesota kick. Maybe because I'm from there, but
0: I don't know. It's cl- you know, it's almost the same latitude, though, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty. It's close. basically the same place. It's kind of the same. <laughs> yeah, it's, kind it's kind of the kind same, the same place. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and there goes for dropping Excuse her weather. That's her, that's her weather maker. <laughs> yes. machine. Her weather. That's our weather <laughs> machine. Her weather random generator, <laughs> aka her uh, her iPad. <laughs> All right, so our final segment today is going to be a new segment that David came up with after our last guest, Mr. Eric Walton. Um, it's going to be called the Goldilocks Stock Market.
2: I'll realize prices rise and fall. Be cool. Stay in
0: for the long haul. Before you sell shares, stick to your vision to make wise-tested investment decisions. A company <laughs> is kind of like a building. <laughs> building. Stocks are the bricks of the building. Building. if you own a brick, you own part of it. Stocks are sold on the stock market, a company is kind of like a pie, Pie. a stock is a slice that you buy, cause
1: if the pie is popular to eat, then the slice is worth more on the street. Sweet. Yes, it is very sweet.
2: <laughs> yeah. In some, since, Having uh, fun with the music as yes, usual. Since you guys out there can't see this, be very, very glad this is not a video. I <laughs> got to see accounting dancing. Yes. You're welcome. Let <laughs> me answer, answer your superhero uh, yeah, accounting question. Why, yeah. we're, I mean, yes. There was that movie Dead Man Walking. This is Dead right. Man Dancing. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so actually, you know what, though? The, the, there was a movie uh, Accountant Superheroes. You're kidding me? Yes. Do you remember Midnight Run where he was. The, the mob's attorney, or mob's CPA, right? And they had to, Robert De Niro had to take Harvey, not Harvey Keitel, but... Uh, oh, yeah. The I think I did right, did Robert
3: take... De Niro play the accountant?
0: No, Robert De Niro did not play the co- accountant. Robert De Niro was one day. was the, <laughs> the guy. But All right, Go ahead, Dave.
1: So the way that this is going to work is I have four sets of three stocks. In each, in each of these questions, I have one stock that went up a whole lot. I have one stock that went down a whole lot last week, and then I have one stock that remained about the same. And so your job is to pick. All okay. right. So here we go. The first one, we have Quotient Technology, Inc., which provides digital promotions and advertising solutions driven by online and in-store data. We have Johnson & Johnson is a three-sector healthcare company based out of New Jersey. And LPL Investment Holdings, which provides an integrated platform of proprietary technology, brokerage, and investment advisory services to 14,000 independent financial advisors which one won, which one Which one was hot, which one was cold, and which one was just about right.
0: I'm going to say J&J was about right. LPL was up and quotient down. That's exactly what I was thinking.
3: I think J&J went up, LPL stayed the same, and quotient went down.
1: Okay, so... Quotient actually on um, as of last Friday was up thirty five percent. Johnson and Johnson was at zero point one two percent, so it stayed about the same. And mm-hmm. LPNL dropped thirty four point six percent. Whoa!
0: Ooh. Yeah, so that's rough. Well, we got the middle and rough. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we got Johnson and Johnson. Right yeah. yeah.
1: So our our next ones here we go. We have Boeing, which is the world's largest aerospace company, leading manufacturer of commercial jetliners and defense space. We have Select Comfort Corp, which is a bedding retailer out of Minnesota, and Mercer International, Inc., which is one of the world's largest producers of NBSK Market Pulp and has become a leader among forest products and companies embracing the bioeconomy and maximizing the value of forest resources.
0: Okay, Deeser, what do you think?
3: I think the first one... Boeing. Boeing. I think Boeing stayed the same. I think the uh, mattress company increased, and I think the very last one... Decreased.
0: Hmm. Ben? I'm going to
2: think Boeing went down. And I'm going to think uh, the wood product people are about the same. What was the other was Mercer was the third? Um,
1: that was the wood product. Oh, that's they, the wood then part. you had the Select Comfort.
0: The mattress company. The mattress
1: company. Or do you want to sleep on it? <laughs> yeah,
0: I'll sleep. Well, I'm going to say mattresses are on the rise. Right. Okay. Brad? Um, actually, I'm going to do with Van on this one too. I think uh, I think that's exactly what where I was going. With it worked last time, didn't it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, actually, nobody got it right. Boeing stayed about Darn the it. same. Mercer International was up 32.41 percent. Wow. And Select Comfort was down 24 well, percent.
0: At least they had something soft to land on. Uh. <laughs> uh. I actually, uh. hopefully, Terrible. adjusted their setting. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, All Dave. All right, last one. All
1: right, last one here. We have, um. Amcor Technology, which is the world's leading supplier of outsourced semiconductor interconnected services. We have Groupon Inc., which is an online provider of coupons. And Apple, which if you don't know what Apple is, then you're probably not <laughs> listening to this podcast, so it doesn't really matter. It's <laughs> agricultural deal, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, a it's a fruit company. company. <laughs> uh, thanks. Okay, Ugh. I'm going to say
0: that Apple, I'm going to say Apple went down. I'm going to say Groupon stayed the same. And Amcor went up.
2: I think I read somewhere some of those phone sales. I'll say Apple went down. Like, and then what were the other two? Groupon. Groupon
1: and Amcor technology.
2: I'll say Amcor's flat and the other one went up.
0: Okay. Deeser?
3: I think Amcor's went down. Groupon increased and Apple stayed about the same.
1: Dissir, you are exactly correct. Yes! All right, oh, you uh, win. I knew this day would come. <laughs> yes. yeah. Groupon went up twenty nine percent on oh. Friday. Apple went to zero point three one percent increase. The so stayed about the same, and Amcor dropped twenty point forty two percent. Wow! Now this was as of Friday, so anything may have happened.
2: Anything today. could have happened. Yeah. But <laughs> results, <test> results. <laughs> buy real estate, folks. You don't have those fluctuations. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. What's
0: what's the old adage? Van that you know, God made dirt. He ain't making no more. Right. That's right. right. That's, how, that's why real estate's good. There's
2: <laughs> no realtor over in Raleigh say remember folks there'll always be more people but there'll never
0: be more land i think he got murdered though (laughs) (laughs) cross him off then (laughs) well sounds good guys well thank you very much for another fantastic podcast thank you very much van for joining us it's a pleasure as always yeah sounds good rebecca and david you guys have a good one everybody else follow us on twitter follow us on facebook at beasley mitchell have a great one guys Bye.
3: It's not over yet.
0: It is for me, sister.
2: Look, I ain't in this for your revolution, and I'm not in it for you, princess. I expect to be well paid. I'm in it for the money. 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 I'm gonna say money.